BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. I Say with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who make the shows you love. Uh, today, I'm so excited. I have, I have part of the cast of Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Yeah, I have B.D. Wong and Lori Tanchin today. And I also have the co-creator, Teresa Shao. I am so excited for this episode, you know, because we're going to get into Aquafina is Nora from Queens and stuff. Uh, but I'm also a lot is happening right now, obviously, this week in, in the world of television. There's there's a writer's strike happening, which, uh, as I am recording this, it just happened about an hour ago. We They, they got the approval. I, I am not in the Writers Guild. I am in the Animation Guild. Shout out to Adult Animated Comedy. Uh, that's, it's a whole complicated thing about the separate guilds and stuff. But obviously here at TVISA, we support TV writers. We support the Writers Guild, of course, because, you know, not only do we understand how important writers are to the whole process of television, that thing we love, but also we remember what it was like back in 2007. Do we all remember back in 2007, the last writer's strike, how bad it got? How just the networks were just like, I don't know, let's try anything. And they really did. They really did just try anything. We had Kid Nation. They just had a TV show, a reality show, where they said, what if we just let kids run a town? And like by episode three, a kid was drinking bleach. Okay, that's when we got to a shot at love with Tila Tequila. Just, you know, a, a lot of trying to see what would stick without writers uh, and... It made for a wild year of of TV, and we lost some good shows like Pushing Daisies. Heroes never got back on track. It was tough, and I and we'll we'll get into that. I, you know, we're going to talk about network TV, all that stuff. I'm still watching. Uh, you know, like Aquafina uh, is Nora from Queens. I'm going to talk about Comedy Central, really, and those shows and how they made me fall in love with comedy, and how you know we keep losing them. That that kind of show just gets smaller and smaller. That basic cable, just kind of premium level show that is so funny and so original. So we're going to get into that. But before that, of course, we are going to do a watch list, as always. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin anything for you. But let's start with Secession. And those those boys, those boys, those kids, uh, they are all grieving I love where I love this episode. It's everything you want from a Kendall heavy episode where you just know, like when that whenever when I think we've all been waiting for that moment where they're like, he's got that gleam in his eye. And this was the moment we all ah oh, the clouds. It was perfect. And it was great. Next up on my watch list is Firefly Lane, which this past Friday released its final half season and series finale. I, I, I believe it was like six episodes on Netflix. Um, it, I, I've talked about Firefly Lane before. It is not a good show. It's one. Of, it's what I call a red wine mom show. It's a show you watch while you drink some red wine. Maybe you eat a pint of ice cream. Maybe some popcorn. You can watch it with your mom. You're just kind of like, oh, look, gay, oh, sad. The divorced ladies who like fight in their friendship, whatever. 
<laughs> kind of like Grace and Frankie, except Grace and Frankie is so funny and so good. Um, but <laughs> I was watching that and finishing it and I turned it off for secession. <laughs> So that's that's how good Secession is that I stopped watching something that I love to binge <laughs> like a silly just it's a silly binge. But I put it aside the final episode so I could sit with Secession and the Roy's did not let me down this past week. I I think I have to say the episode's best. You know, there's a lot of arguing over who's doing it. Obviously, Roman and Kendall they're in the toilet. They failed this episode miserably. Shiv got a little bit better, but you notice something. And I, I'm always saying this. I'm always saying this. <laughs> Tom is Tom is the one doing the work. Tom is the guy. Like, he was the son that I think at, in, at the end of the day, Logan realized he could mold him into that he always wanted. Like, he could make Tom that guy. And I think Shiv is now seeing what her dad saw in him. And that's what's making her more attracted to him, which is weird. But their thing, their thing is being weird. <laughs> and they are this episode. But, oh, I was into it. And and the closer that Shiv gets to Tom, the smarter she gets. So the two of them, they, I think, figured out a few things this, this week. Uh, and I think we're going to see... Roman and particularly Roman, I think we're going to see him pay some consequences next week. Uh, so I am excited. After that, we have Barry. I don't have any spoilers for you, but what I'll say is that the website Prime Timer, what they said about this episode is that there was a devastating breakup. And descri- if you watched, <laughs> describing that breakup as a devastating breakup, it, that's like saying... Like, JFK had a bad day in Dallas. <laughs> that's, it's, like, what? Okay, yeah, sure, that's one way to put it. You know, like, oh, just a just a split between two people. Sure, sure. <sighs> Barry. Bill Hader, I would like to ask, what's wrong? Why, what happened that you figured out a way to make a show that is so funny and so scary that I, my stomach hurt watching this episode of Barry. I, again, no spoilers, but the sand moment and, and the moment with the, the shot in, of darkness in the apartment, which I think everyone has seen by now, like it's posted all over, you know, your TikToks with people being like, oh, the mise scene. Uh, it's so incredible though. And the way that Bill Hader, who directs every episode this season, the, the way he made the room feel alive, the way he made the darkness of the sand and the digging so just urgent. I got to give it to him. Oh, gosh. But I'm still angry with you, Bill. I still have a bit of an issue. Because I, why would you hurt us? <laughs> I don't understand, Bill Hader. Like, we love you. We love Barry. And you hurt us. You hurt us. You hurt us every week. <laughs> We sit down and we're like, let's laugh at the fun show with the guy from Happy Days. And then we cry. And then we all sit around and pretend like, yeah, this will make sense when it's nominated for a comedy Emmy. Fine. But I love it. Uh, This season deserves it. Honestly, it is incredible. More talk about Barry, please. Anyway, moving on with the watch list. Like I said, Firefly Lane. My girls are back. I lost my Grace and Frankie girls. I replaced them with my Kate Malarkey and Tully. Kate and Tully. (laughs) My favorite thing is just making fun of this show because if you know, uh, it takes place in multiple decades. So it's about these friends who've known each other since like the 60s and it goes from the 60s to the early 2000s. And then in this newest season, it jumps ahead like a decade for no reason. (laughs) And basically from 1970 to 2000, they use the same actors, uh, Sarah Chalky and Katherine Heigl. They use the same ones. And they just kind of throw them in like different wigs that are horrible. So that's how you're like, oh, it's the 80s because they have horrible, horrible wigs. Now I get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it's it's incredible. So anyway, like I said, it's a mom show. It's a wine show. It's one of those you just sit down. It's just like a smooth sand, like just a smooth brain. No think, just fun, beautiful show. Like, ooh, look at the plots. Look at how they resolve. Look at the pretty people. Ooh, yay. And, you know, you get to cry at the end. So I sobbed. It was obviously, it tore my heart out. So got to give it to Firefly Lane. I believe it nailed the ending for what I've always loved about the show. 
So good for them. We also had the finale of Grand Crew, two episodes that Peacock chose to burn in the night, which, you know, I need Grand Crew to get another season. But, you know, as we're going to talk about with this writer's strike, that's one of those shows that is on the network that is, you know, not going to be helped by this. So it's like, what are the studios doing not nurturing such wonderful shows? But the finales were amazing. Uh, the, the two last episodes we got, do I think they work as a series finale? <sighs> if I have to, yeah. But again, if this show is taken for me, it will sit right next to Happy Endings uh, and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 uh, in terms of sitcoms that we lost too soon. So please go watch Grand Crew. Tell eight of your friends, please. <laughs> Thank you. Up next on the watch list, I would love to shout out <laughs> You, Me, and My Ex. You, Me, and My Ex is back on Discovery Plus slash TLC, Hulu. Oh, I love this show. I love it. And it's just been getting juicier and juicier and juicier. Like, for so there's this, this lesbian couple that is co-parenting with one of the women's ex-husbands. And then they decided to have a new baby using the ex-husband as the donor. And they actually are all really sweet together and like co-parent. And he's married to this other woman and they all hang and it's really nice. Uh, but then they've all decided to like move in together and get in, get a, get a house. <laughs> and for some reason they decide to like announce this at a party with like all their family and friends, which is like a thing they don't really have to do. It's just a truly a party where they all are like, everybody gather around. We're all going to move in together. And everyone's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> And it's just it just reminds me of my favorite thing about reality TV, where they just make things happen <laughs> to make a plot where it's just like, OK, that we need to make this seem like a big deal. You've decided to get a house. Let's just have you go like tell everyone where it's just like, I think you guys would just do that. And then you could have like a housewarming party and half of them don't even want to tell people they're like, why do we have to? Uh, and it really does make a lot of sense for their situation and the way they co-parent. But it's, you know, it's just be the beauty of, of reality TV, which, and there's so much. We also got the finale of Seeking Brother Husband, which I thought was really beautiful and pretty well done. You know, we got our ceremony. I, I think that the couples that needed to have honest conversations did. And while well, all of them almost did, one of them definitely didn't. Uh, and I think it's all pretty clear how Mike feels about the whole situation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I would watch another season of that show. So, hey, uh, it is on the watch list. After that, I want to give a shout out to last week tonight. They have been killing it. You know, they came back to, I think they get a little overwhelmed, like sh overshadowed uh, when it comes to, you know, Barry, Secession. <laughs> you got a lot of heat, but it it was good. They're doing so great. I feel like they made some jokes about John Oliver having long hair during COVID. And I'm going to be honest right now and say I thought he was hotter with the COVID hair. So just FYI, joke didn't land for me. I thought he was hotter then. Yeah, I'll say it. <laughs> and then last up on the the watch list and what we're going to, you know, talk about before we get into Aquafina's Nora from Queens uh, is Digman. Obviously, I am a big adult animated comedy fan. I love adult animated sitcoms. I'm proud to work in the genre. And I have been really loving Digman. It is so sharply written. I love the entire voice cast that they have. It's a really, really good show. And you know where it is. It's on Comedy Central. Which, you know, if this was 2007, Digman would be a hit. Everyone would be like, oh my goodness. And they'd also probably think it was a little confusing and the animation was incredible. But okay, even if it was 2015 and it was on Comedy Central, I think more people would be aware of it. But today, more people, you know, if you want a big adult animated show, it's Netflix, it's streaming. That's typically how people watch it, uh, unless you happen to be like on Adult Swim. Uh, you know, the Comedy Central network show, the cable show, has really kind of lost its footing in, in the world of television. You know, we used to have TBS shows that we cared about, you know, TBS, very funny. And then they kind of gave up on original content that was, you know, not reality. And all that stuff went to HBO Max and a lot of it survived. Most of it kind of was able to burn off there. Uh, and the same was true with Comedy Central shows like Southside uh, and the other two, which are now, you know, on HBO Max. Uh, 
we're getting another season of of the other two. Uh, and I do believe that is set. So <laughs> uh, hopefully writer strike shouldn't take that from us because uh, I doubt I, I you know, I don't believe it would have gotten another season after that just because of what's happening at Max, <laughs> uh, which is all a mess. But anyway, you know, it, it's it begs the question, is Comedy Central still relevant like in this era of streaming? And I obviously love Comedy Central. Like I grew up watching Comedy Central Presents, Premium Blend. To me, that was the stuff that could like launch a career, being noticed by Comedy Central. Now that basically just takes place as like the Comedy Central 10-minute YouTube stand-up clips, uh, Comedy Central Roast. If you get that, that can be big. But like it is not the same as like getting that premium blend spot where you could like launch a career and like get a half hour spot like special, you know, which really kind of stopped in like 2019. But like even beyond that, obviously, just as someone who has always loved TV, I loved watching Drunk History. I love watching like Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, Stella, come on, Stella. Yeah, Stella was who Stella is the reason I do what I do. Stella is my my everything. But I was deep, deep, deep in Comedy Central. I mean, I probably, Idiot Sitter, yeah, you don't even know that one. One of my favorites, one season, Idiot Sitter. I loved it, okay? The best Jay Berenjal joke in the business on Idiot Sitter. But it's not, you know, that, that kind of came uh, like after Workaholics when more things were moving to streaming and we got into this kind of weird gap of like cable shows that people were like, yeah, they're really good, but oh yeah, I, j- I don't have cable anymore, you know? And so these are the shows that kind of got left. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you want their, their, their current original programming, obviously Aquafina is from Queen season, uh, the new season that just debuted, you got to watch it. We're going to get into that though. They still are running, tuning out the news, the daily show, South Park, Digman, Crank Anchors, and Hell of a Week with Charlemagne the God, uh, which I have never watched. Uh, And outside of that, I believe Comedy Central is just playing episodes of The Office all the time. That's whenever I am turning on Comedy Central, it is just Office, The Office, which seems to be their biggest syndicated programming. I think they also have Parks and Rec and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and maybe some Seinfeld. I know that the Beavis and Butthead reboot was going to be on Comedy Central, but then they moved it to Paramount Plus because they were probably like, oh, yeah, people don't watch cable. But like when you look at their most popular shows, The Colbert Report, The Chappelle Show, Comedy Central Roast, again, Workaholics, At Midnight, which is getting a reboot in the works at CBS, (laughs) which I'm so excited for. I think it's going to be great. I, you know, I think they really great. They should really just make sure they get funny black female comedians on it who know a lot about TV and Twitter probably just would make it excellent. Uh, But Drunk History, Cuville, Broad City, those to me, those are the things that define the network and really made it Comedy Central, the network that to this day still is, you know, the reason why I would want to do a Comedy Central special is why it's, you know, a celebration when any of my friends book it. You know, it's awesome. It's still like Comedy Central, but at the same time, it's wild that like people aren't really giving it the respect that it deserves, that it's just like we're letting entire networks and platforms disappear, which is even scarier now that we just heard that Vice uh, might be filing for bankruptcy. And it's just like all of this amazing content, this amazing just space uh, where for a little bit you could just really create weird stuff that had a huge impact on the culture. That vacuum is just there. So... Digman. Digman is a writer's guild show. I support those writers as they strike. Go watch Digman so you understand how funny it is and how those writers deserve to be paid the right amount of money. Come on. And also how it's one of the shows that really is most kind of at threat when these strikes happen, right? It's like people watch the streaming shows, people watch the shows that get a lot of attention, and then there are these little cable shows and network shows that are WGA, that are great, that are building an audience, that are finding their voice, that are so good, they're finding an audience. And, you know, they need that support. They need the support from the studios, from the networks, from us. Watch it. Anyway, that's that's my little, my little breakdown of Comedy Central and my watch list. Uh, do you remember Detroiters? Remember when we had this golden era of Nathan For You review Another Period 
and Detroiters. Gosh, they had some good TV. And hey, maybe they, they still could someday again. Or they'll probably just turn into like the comedy central button on the Paramount Plus app uh, is probably where, where the future is headed. That's bleak. Anyway, coming up after a quick break, I'll be chatting with two of the stars of Comedy Central's Aquafina is Nora from Queens, Feedy Wong and Lori Tan Chen, along with series co-creator Teresa Shao. Please stick around. Hey there, we're VibeCheck, and we are working on a special series called Hey Sis, brought to you by Ulta Beauty, where we'll be in conversation with inspiring Black women creators. In this series, we'll be talking about all things Black, Black joy, Black beauty, and Black stories. And Ulta Beauty is celebrating Black-owned and founded brands, brands like Curl Mix, Undefined Beauty, Bevel, which we all use here to shave, and the legendary Pat McGrath Labs, who's having such a moment right now. So head to your local Ulta Beauty store or Ulta.com to shop your fave Black-owned and founded brands and check out Hasis, a Vibe Check series. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. TV Club, today I have a real treat for you all as I am joined by two of the stars plus the co-creator of Aquafina is Nora from Queens, one of my favorite just like quarantine comedies that came out. This show got me through 2020 when it premiered and now its third season has just premiered on Comedy Central last week. Talking to me today, B.D. Wong, who plays Nora's dad, Wally, Lori Tan Chin, who plays Nora's grandma, and series co-creator, Teresa Shao. Thank you so much for talking with me. I am obsessed with this show. The new season is so great, even sillier and funnier. I want to start with the most interesting fact. Aquafina got to direct episode one this season. What was it like seeing her go from, you know, in front of the camera to directing you? She's incredible. You know, she's like a force of nature and she is a very confident young person. And there was no adjustment to be made or anything like that. I mean, I thought it was great. I got to direct an episode last season, so I really empathize with the person in that position. It's a really kind of high-pressure uh, position, but I think she did incredible. Well, I, you know, I, talking about Nora's uh, directorial debut, you know, she did her homework. I was pretty proud of her. You know, there's a lot of things I put in a lot of my Chinese, I like to say, because uh, I'm the last of my you know, my tribe from the uh, 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 the original Chinese that came to America. So, you know, I want to include as much as I remember because it's going to be gone. And so, you know, this one that she directed, I couldn't tell the props people to wrap these candies in white paper and put them on a plate when people come out of the, well, it's a funeral, you know, without giving it away to the public yet. You know, you see yeah. that they're all wrapped up and you're supposed to take them and nobody knows except the Chinese. So when they see the thing, they'll uh, hopefully they'll recognize the ones who are savvy to that. <laughs> yeah, there's so many just beautiful cultural moments. Yeah. And in this season, even cultures maybe that people aren't expecting to see, like Iceland. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we also, with that episode, we get a little bit of an Orange is the New Black reunion. Don't want to give away too much <laughs> on that either. Uh, but how did that feel, Lori? Did you know that this was going to happen? I didn't see the episode. I can't remember <laughs> what was in it. Uh, Leah Delaria, Lori. Oh, that, yeah, that's, yeah, Leah. I, I haven't seen her in ages. You know, so it was nice to see her. It was so fun to see you two on the show again, even if uh, your appearance in that episode is really <laughs> fantastical. I'll leave that to the viewers. <laughs> is this uh, X-rated? Do, uh, can we be 
clear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get X-rated, please. I love that bitch. <laughs> I love that bitch. I miss her. <laughs> and she's so, so funny. I, I'm promising you, you will want to watch this episode where <laughs> you discover Bo and Yang might be Icelandic. And I think that's really the only premise you need to be fully in on the episode. That I remember. And I, I do remember the ending if they kept that in. They did, didn't they, Teresa? We did. We did. Yep. Okay. It's very cool. Uh, and <laughs> Teresa, I have loved this show from the start because it is such a celebration of just everything that throws out the idea of the model minority, that throws out the idea of responsibility and respectability and what you're supposed to be as a woman of color. You know, I'm right there wanting to hit my vape with Aquafina every time she does. <laughs> you know, as a co-creator with this season, where did you want to take Nora's character? Yeah, we've always, you know, the show has always been about just wanting to be authentic to who Nora really is uh, in real life and obviously her family. And this season really wanting to kind of explore, you know, some of the, you know, Wally's character has a great arc this season, especially with what he goes through. Grandma has a great arc, Um, you know, and Nora, of course, like she's still going through the same um, stuff that she's going through, you know, in, in seasons one and two, but obviously still in kind of an elevated way. So really wanting to explore Wally and grandma and just like get everyone together because that's, you know, that's what people love about the show is seeing, seeing the whole family together. Uh, And I do want to get into Wally's journey because BD, it seems like you are having so much fun this season with Wally being an absolute sad sack. Uh, after everything he goes through, I just immediately think of the scene where you're on the couch, like just sadly strumming the guitar and you're just like, what do you know about love, Nora? And your delivery of that line, I had to stop because I was laughing so hard. What was it like to kind of build through these sad sack moments for Wally? It's really a gift to be able to have like the highs and the lows of a person's life, you know, throughout a season. And that's kind of what he gets is the very low, low of where a person can be when they're in a low place and then see him and root for him, hopefully, to get to this place of, you know, overcoming all of that and getting what he wants, you know. And that's really lucky to be an actor and be able to play that, all of that. So I loved it. And, you know, there are some really ridiculous low points, like all the low points that I can think of that involve, you know, pepper spray and eating uh, dog food. uh, (laughs) Like all of that stuff is just, you can't, if you're not having fun doing that, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Really and even just the embarrassing moment where he admits he likes to get a little whipped cream on his on his iced coffee. Just little details like that make me love that character. I really feel I felt for him and have been rooting for him, just like I hope the audience does. And thanks to Teresa and Nora and the whole writing team and everybody who worked on the show for, you know, giving these little wonderful things that um, we get to have fun with. Yeah, it just is so, so much fun. Wally is... I think, you know, for me, a big departure from other roles we've seen you play. Do you see your fans kind of coming up to you like, I had no idea you were silly like this? Yeah, yeah. I have a very weird kind of career that I I get to do lots of different things. And some people only know me for one specific thing and then are surprised. And so then when you kind of go around in circles and, you know, because I try to keep things kind of interesting. And so if I do something serious and then I move on to something funny... If, when you get back to the beginning of the circle, people are sometimes surprised. Oh, I didn't know you were funny or or whatever they might say. And you, But you're tr- constantly trying to recycle your sensibility. And so it, to me, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm me. So I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything new or different or, or I'm not reinventing myself. But the people do do that. I'm always very particularly happy when someone says they know me from this particular show. I just love the show. Yeah, it's it's just not like anything else on TV. It is so funny. It's out there. The comedy is so hard to even define because it's so <laughs> surreal at times. And one of my favorite episodes this season, as we all know, TV, I say my listeners know, weed was legalized in New York this <laughs> uh, last year. Big deal for, for my listeners who watch a lot of TV. So clearly they're potheads. And we have a whole episode uh, where Nora and her grandma start selling weed. 
a huge goal for Nora seems to be working in the head shop space, weed space without giving away too much. Teresa, what was kind of the the desire to like add that to this season? Was that something that you wanted to celebrate with with Aquafina being some what of a, a stoner legend? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think it also kind of goes back to, you know, grandma's story in the season where she's in the beginning, she's feeling a little bit down. She's feeling like she doesn't really know what her purpose is anymore. And she kind of stumbles into this weed empire that she gets into because she's feeling bored with her friends. And, you know, Lori is just Lori in, in real life, of course, is just such a badass. And we really wanted to celebrate that by giving her this sort of chance to shine in this episode. And immediately, you know, when she turns around, there's this great scene where she kind of turns around. She's got this really surprising look. And I was shook. I was personally like, whoa, Lori just transformed. And it was just so fun to get to see her play that badass role. There are also tons and tons of guest stars this season. Just some amazing people in comedy that I was just like Janine Garofalo. I just could not. I screamed when she shows up in that (laughs) Just amazingly perfect car. (laughs) And then we also had Paul Adsit, who amazing in 30 Rock, playing a very similar character here. (laughs) What was it like to to kind of put together your wish list of comics you wanted on this season? It was great. I mean, it was so nice to get people like Janine and Scott Adsit and... Uh, you know, Ken Jong and Frankie Muniz and just so many great stars who decide to just come out and play, you know, and take on all these roles that are so insane and outrageous. But yet they like they bring this element of grounding those characters into someone real. And, um, you know, obviously the the show is, like you said, really silly and we have a lot of crazy things. But I think counting on the actors to bring in that Uh, level of realness is always, you know, it's always so fun when someone comes in and they're like just game to do whatever. It just couldn't be more fun. They, you know, someone comes in that you admire or that you have, has made you laugh in something else. And it it only, it makes you feel excited about having that process of working with them, but it also really makes you feel like you're on a really good show. Oh my gosh, we're really attracting these people to the show and we must be a good show because that just doesn't (laughs) happen. Like, you know, if you don't have something to offer them. Well, I got to add, I also have to add that I recently saw a production, a one woman show that was a star, Judy Gold, and it was directed by B.D. Wong. It's a fantastic show. It just closed. And I hope that there's going to be more of a life uh, touring with it and, you know, having more audiences in the future. But it was an excellent thing. And she has an episode. Yes. Episodes here. Did the episode like help bring you two together? Were you already, you know, friends before you directed her show? Oh, yeah. I've been her friend since Margaret Cho's show in the 90s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Together. And so that's where we met. And she's been working on this. It's from her book that she wrote and and, which she wrote a few years ago. So this has been in the works for a while. And we worked on it a lot of a big part of last year. But yes, this is the perfect example. Ma, thanks. That you really, it's like these people that come into the show that really have something to bring to the table and they are so funny. Judy is just yeah. endlessly She's funny. A riot. She's so funny. Again, not guns. We don't do spoilers here. You're going to want to watch that episode. And I, I love that you brought up the Margaret Cho show because there's been so much conversation recently around the lack of representation for Asian Americans. And when you watch this show, I'm just kind of like, how are the networks so behind in the fact that Asian American comedy exists, <laughs> that these shows should be taking over, that there should be more of it? That conversation, you know, with the Oscars and everything, is a really fertile conversation. It's it shows you where we have, how far we've come, where we need to go, and where we hope to go. And it's in, I find it particularly encouraging. Um, but I'm also a very cynical person, so who knows how long <laughs> something like this could last? Um, but but uh, I think it's both positive and challenging. Yeah, I I find it encouraging too, and I I too like BDM. M- a bit cynical, but I think, you know, obviously from where we started, where, you know, there were so few and now there are more and more and more. And I, I say like, let's just keep being greedy, you know, like, sure. Uh, you know, 
everything everywhere all at once was a huge win, but that wasn't, we wouldn't necessarily call that an Asian movie, but I, I don't think like you call this an Asian show necessarily. Like we're just a show trying to be a comedy for everyone. And I think it's really great that now you can start to see shows that are just like, Oh, it's not just an Asian show. It's just a show, you know? And that's what we really hope to be like, Oh, it's not, that's not just a specific thing for a specific audience. Um, you know, we want to be for everybody. And I think, you know, especially with this this uh, this incredible uh, gang of actors and all the all the storylines that like it really is a universal story. And it's just so, so funny. You know, to me, it's like I would think that this is one of those things that knocked down some doors that led to us getting shows like the movie Joyride coming out that I'm so excited about. I cannot wait for Joyride. I just want to say. Lori's in it. Lori's yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> we have a rule. We don't talk too much about movies on TV club, but I will allow a shout out for Joyride because I am so, so, so excited. Yes. Uh, and I feel like Aquafina is Nora from Queens is one of those shows that like made, you know, you have to get Hollywood to believe something can work. And yeah. to me, it was like, how can you deny the talent of this cast? I really also want to get into the experience of working with Bowen Yang, who I feel like got Nora and SNL kind of around the same time and then just has blown up to be one of their biggest cast members. What is it like working with him on set? Yeah, he actually, um, when we shot the pilot, he had not been on SNL or anything. Uh, season one, he was a writer on SNL, but he was acting for us. And I remember he got the call for SNL while he was on set with us that he was going to be a cast member on the, the following season. And it was just so exciting, you know, to really see someone who we were always like, oh, when we saw his audition tape, Edmund's character was completely different before. And then we saw Bowen's audition tape. We were like, wow, there's just something about him. We're going to kind of rewrite the character to really fit um, who Bowen is. And then just to see him, you know, kind of blow up and get his flowers, it's so well-deserved because he's just so lovely on set. So funny, of course. And he's he's just he's just a delight all around. Yeah, I feel like watching this season, there's a sense that maybe he does a lot of improv. So I was kind of curious about those comedic in instincts. Is he, you know, surprising you on set? They'll just like throwing random stuff in there. And we're all doing I, I that, all, you know? Yeah, the, all, all the actors are doing that. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's the tone that he help, definitely helps to reinforce because his comfort in that in improvisation is so solid. And certainly I, I, I look to him for for that energy and the permission to just invent, and which is not my background at all. And so I, I find between the four of us, there is this bizarre kind of um, free-for-all feeling that is really liberating and really fun. And he's definitely a big part of that. I, yeah. I think when we, we first did the pilot, he was he just uh, cast for one day or something? And uh, or a couple of days, you know, and he just came on like everybody's jaw dropped. <laughs> oh, he's taking us all there. Okay? And Aquafina just, you know, completely uh, uh, went went with it. All the uh, improv between the two of them battling cousins, you know. Oh, my, I'm sure there's just so much blooper footage that could be its own show <laughs> with the two of them. And since this is established, not a spoiler, I do need to know. So did Edwin have a tail originally or was that an energy Bowen brought to the character? Yeah, um, I think we had I'm trying to remember when the tail when we sort of talked about Edmund's tail. I'm not I'm not sure exactly when it was, when, when we, when, you know, it might've come up after we had already cast him, but that's a great question. <laughs> um, it, it's funny just to think that maybe Bowen's vibe decide, like made <laughs> us think that Edmund needed to have a tail, like, but yeah. I, I can't remember the exact, uh, the exact origin story it of the tail. It really does feel like something you would decide after knowing he would. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> after Bowen. knowing Bowen, you're like, he has yeah. tail vibes. <laughs> he was, it was mentioned in the pilot. And then it went further. I think there is a very wonderful story with his tale this season. So <laughs> if you need something there, this season does provide. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. This season, again, I've said it so many times, I just enjoyed it so much. It's so, so funny. And I do want to talk about this season's final two episodes. It's a little two-parter. Without giving away too much, it does get really meta. We have Nora exploring different avenues of her life and the real Aquafina kind of stepping in to show maybe one aspect of how her life could have worked. Uh, you know, in putting that story together, how did you want that to, what, what did you kind of want to relay about Aquafina and Nora with these, this sort of like ending story here? Yeah, well, we had, you know, talked a lot about how to bring in the Aquafina character. You know, obviously the show's title, we have Aquafina is Nora from Queens. And so in thinking about, you know, and, and she had a lot to do obviously with this episode as well in terms of like really wanting to kind of think about what her life would be like uh, if she weren't Aquafina. And I think that is what so much of this show is. It's sort of this alternate life of like, if she had stayed at home and kind of just hung out with her dad and grandma, you know, a lot of the shows sometimes when she's watching it, you know, not to speak for her, but it really is kind of like this, wow, this strange parallel universe that is her life that that could have been. And so we really wanted to bring those two together in a way that felt right, but also felt like something that we could do on our show without totally going too, too, too meta in that other direction. Yeah, I thought it hit just sort of a perfect tone. And Lori BD, what was it like to play these alternate versions of your characters? (laughs) I think Wally has a lot of fun in, in one of those, those alternate realities. This is all part of what we were talking about before, which is like there are these, all these different colors and different fun things and costumes and wackiness and there's nothing not fun about it there's just nothing not fun about it and then there's this kind of sense that when you walk onto the set and you you know you reveal yourself to everybody Teresa primarily actually that you know you get this reaction like oh my god Teresa's almost like what have I done kind of thing <laughs> horrified <laughs> truly when I horrified. when BD walked into the times, office both those times actually Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was you were actually, you were like a sideshow character. Everyone wanted yeah. to take pictures with you. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was like uh, Elmo in, in Times Square. <laughs> and, and it was, yeah, it was, it's only fun. It's just all completely 1000% fun. And I loved it. I love it. I love costumes. I love, this is like character work within character work. Like, I always think of myself as a character actor. I always like to, you know, look different or act different or whatever. And and then this is even further deep down into the falling down the hole of the rabbit hole of character work, which is great for me. I just love it. It's it's every day's Halloween. And Lori, I also wanted to know that in the, the episode where Nora and Bowen's character go to Iceland, you are there as this, like... Ghost spirit. I was wondering how did you film those like on a green screen? What was that like? <laughs> I tell you, uh, the producer Sean had called and said, "Hey, you know, I I gotta let you know that for the uh, an episode we're going to Iceland." Before he even finished the word, Iceland. Am I in it? Am I in? Am I gonna be in it? So you know, it was like a. Uh, uh, Ha, let me just kind of pray and and uh, be real nice to Teresa. <laughs> the next day, I found out that they wrote me in. So I, I really didn't know how it was going to appear, uh, except that we had a little uh, ADR session and I got to see myself, which is kind of cool how they how they put me in. 
Yeah, uh, I got to stay. Lori manifested uh, <laughs> manifested her Iceland trip, but I think we we made it. Also, I, th- I think it totally fits into the episode in terms of you know. Oh yeah, uh, the surreal quality of uh, of kind of some of the things that we do. So yeah, I would say it is not the most out there thing that happens in that episode, uh, which <laughs> yeah. might have been my favorite, just from Lori, your character appearing as the ghost grandma, being like, "Yeah, bitch, of course you're not Icelandic." <laughs> That uh, that moment, absolutely funny. And again, Bowen dyeing his hair, just yeah. <laughs> everything that just I love about the tone and surreal com- comedic quality of the show. Uh, we're almost at the end here. Before we go, is there anything you want to say about this season? I'm already telling them, watch it, watch it. You got to watch it. It's so funny. Just the four of you together on screen is such an amazing comedic duo. Like you're you're just losing out if you're not enjoying this like and it's so great to see that you have that joy behind the scenes and really really seem to love working with each other well i gotta say that uh, uh, bowen has confessed to us without uh giving anything away that he 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 has a gig he has a saturday night gig <laughs> but he really feels like he's at home when he comes on the set and works with us so uh, you know this is very special to him it's very special to me and it's such a small cast that we can really concentrate on each other and, and get to know each other. You know, this is a family show. It's not a huge uh, a bunch of members, but uh, we really get to work off each other. And isn't that a dream? I- improvisation I love. So, uh, and I do all these ca- characters. I, I'm no longer a beauty queen. So, you know. <laughs> Yes, you are. Lee, Lori, you're you're the like, ultimate beauty queen. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. You in the in the cute little heels and the fur coat and the face tattoo. Uh, oh, I was into hey. it. Please. Hey. <laughs> I think every show has its own fan identity, and the the fan identity on our show is really vivid and strong. And we just want to say thank you to all the fans and and yeah. we, I just love hearing what they're up to and what they're into, what they want what they're hoping for and um, all of that. It's just really fun to get feedback from, from them. So we'll see you on the social media and I hope that they enjoyed the show this, this year. We really have loved doing this last, I really thought this last season was really incredible. It really yeah. is. It's just so fun with this, with this cast. And like Lori said, like we really, we really are a family. Like it really feels like, emotional for us to to do the show and so we're just glad that people like it and and watch it and we're thrilled to for people to see it on uh april 26th yes as of this it'll be out you can watch season three of aquafina is nora from queens wednesday nights at 10 30 p.m on comedy central i want to thank my amazing amazing guest today truly this is so so much fun biggest takeaway go watch this show thank you so much for joining me Thanks again to my guests, B.D. Wong, Lori Tan Chin, Teresa Shao. Ah, just, oh my goodness. I, I got to watch the whole season. It's very, very funny. Uh, you, you're not going to, go watch it. Again, go support these shows. Um, I do believe it is Bowen Yang doing some of his best, best stuff. Watching and be like, oh, I can't believe I waited so long to watch this. So go watch, you know, Aquafina's Nora from Queens. Let me give you some homework. Obviously, you need to keep watching Barry and Secession because we're all just holding each other through this process. Catch up on You, Me, and My Ex because I am watching it and I am loving it. Uh, We also have the Goldbergs finale coming up. Let's all get together to say goodbye (laughs) to the show that only I watch, but I'm watching it. And let's all get together to say goodbye to it with me. (laughs) Please. Uh, We also have Couples Therapy. New episodes of Couples Therapy came out this past weekend. Uh, I'm not sure why there hasn't been a ton of talk about it, but it's a really wild season that gets into a lot of polyamory. Uh, It it has this really, like, interesting young lesbian couple that's, that's, like, just an incredible look at a younger generation and I loved it and I'd love to hear what you think about it. So that is on your homework list. And then I want you to tell me about it. You know, you can always use speakpipe.com slash TV. I say, leave a little message for me. Tell me what you think about couples therapy or any other show. What else are you watching? Uh, And if you love this podcast, 
or you just enjoy this episode, you know, share with a friend. Get them hooked on it too. TV Club is always accepting new members, especially now as we face this strike together. So spread the word. And I save this until the very end. Okay, I have this. I'm going to add one succession spoiler right here. So if you don't want a spoiler, you better hang up now. You don't want a succession spoiler, hang up. If you didn't, if you didn't watch it, hang. Stop listening. But I'm going to put it in right here. Just one little succession spoiler thing. I think that Tom does know Shiv is pregnant, but isn't saying anything about it yet. That's what I think. And I definitely think that Jerry has a lot of pictures of Roman saved up. And that is going to come back on Roman, which is why he tried to be like, hey, Ken, we might need to reverse my whole decision because I'm just like not thinking. And it's like, yeah, buddy, you are not. <laughs> you are not thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that that's my little, little succession spoiler right there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. I say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode. TV I Say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Abby Aguilar, produced by Scott Sani, executive produced by Amelia Chapelo, and our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends. Share with your golden girls. Tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon. And you can also find my full archive ad-free episodes of TV I Say over on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code TV I Say, all one word, for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.